0: Paul, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And yeah, this is Tim. It is exhausting introducing all you guys. Uh, hold on. I mean, you. you crap. introduced me as Paul, not Polly this time. Well, you know, it's it's Saturday the fourteenth. Uh-huh. I don't know which I don't know which one of you guys is showing up.
1: <laughs> and yeah, yesterday was a full moon and Friday the thirteenth, and I was at Hollow Scream. So, uh huh. Uh huh. I, I'm I'm pulling a wane today, and my feet I, really hurt. You know, Paul, and I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Paul and I manage our, the IOM Geek IOM Geek uh, Instagram feed together, and it cracks me up to see the fans that you have for the YouTube channel reaching out to you on the IOM Geek uh, Instagram feed. Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm in line. Is that you over there? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got to say it was very interesting last night. Um I don't get this anywhere else and please understand I this is I'm I'm expressing this as an unusual thing for me. Um there are people who are like, "Hey, can I take a picture with you?" And I'm like, "Why? It's it's just me." <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I'm just a dude. But uh, no, it, I I really enjoy um the YouTube stuff and fe- people seem to like it, especially the bush gardens like More than anywhere else, people, like, really like the bush garden stuff. So, yeah, that's where I was last night. You had several people who were like, you know, thank you for shooting the
0: video because, you know, I couldn't be there. Yeah, you know, I, i just you know people very appreciative of of the work you do, you know. Uh, I, I think it's it's really cool. Well, honestly, really cool. that's why those I like people are on this podcast. No, no, not, not no. a single
1: one. <laughs> None of my views on YouTube come from anyone on this podcast. <laughs> that is that is true. I was even talking to Jen the other day. She's like, I haven't seen any of your videos in a while. I'm like, of all people, just click the button and leave it going while you're in the shower or something. <laughs> That is too funny. <laughs> uh, but um yeah so i did that last night and uh so because i knew i was going to be out last night i had to to scramble through my comics this week i shouldn't say scramble but you know i, I had wednesday I, friday night's usually my my reading night uh but, you know I, I read some wednesday i read some thursday and um you know it was it was another big week there's a lot of big weeks lately in comics we we didn't record last week but there was a lot of expensive books last week. <laughs> everything was like five, four or five plus dollars.
2: Yeah, and, this is two weeks in a row that I haven't bought everything I wanted to buy because there's a bunch of books. And I feel like this week was a bunch of
1: five dollar books too. I think Batman Universe. Um, yeah. I don't know about Event Leviathan, but King Thor, Spirits of Vengeance, or Symbiots of Vengeance. I feel like those are all five dollar books. So, yeah, pricey week. Uh, but- you know, I, I was
0: reading the August sales figures for mm-hmm. comics, and uh, every, ev- out of every $2 spent in comic books, $1 is spent on Marvel books. They have 50% of the market share wow. in August 2019. They're printing fewer books than they did this time last year. So what the sales figures are telling us, even looking at the entire calendar, not just for the month of August, is that the the number of books being printed is shrinking, but the cost of them is going up. Yeah. And I think that is a really bad sign for the market. And I know we have been podcasting for umpteen years mm-hmm. and have been saying this all along, but you know, books getting more expensive and having fewer people buying them is bad for the business
1: yeah i i feel like uh i feel like we're due for a uh, and we there was an interview and we talked about it i think on this podcast um a while back with dan didio and jim lee everyone's kind of waiting for the the comic bubble to burst oh uh, yeah it, it seems like it's any any day now really yeah
0: yeah, I, I and you know it's kind of like the American economy I think everyone's kind of bracing themselves for for the upcoming recession and I think it's the same thing with comics mm-hmm. I think everyone's just kind of bracing themselves like this is going this is gonna pop when's it gonna happen and who's going to be left holding all of those uh you know chromium uh, covers so uh you know it's, you know quarter awesome. bins
2: are coming mm-hmm. quarter
0: bins are coming is what I'm
2: saying it's really sad to call this a bubble that's gonna pop considering it's about smaller than it's ever been.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we had in the 90s, before, you know, what, what caused it was the the collector's market, right? Those chromium covers and uh-huh. platinum covers and all that shit. Now, you know, it. it we, we still have a little bit of that speculator market um, occurring, but it's a little less frequent because, you know, things like Captain America died and a year later he's back and and stuff like that. But I think what we're dealing with now is... The price. The price continues to go up. No one's holding the line at two ninety nine. Um, and people like you you're getting eight dollar books on the regular. like there's mm-hmm. at least one eight to nine dollar book that comes out every month. Yeah, um, fucking ridiculous. And, you know I, I think what we' we're, we're dealing it's it's similar to the chromium covers because now we we still have a little bit of the speculator market with variant covers. And I think you know we are very much due. Not that I want it, but I think no. while we're getting some of the best writing ever in comics, uh, I think the it's getting lost in just bad business decisions that are that are well, really going to affect the market. And, and there's you know,
2: nothing collectible about a uh, digital comic.
0: No. Well, you know, and we're, we're seeing you know some of the same sort of stories. That happened during the, 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 the big bust in the 90s, you know, we, uh, Paul and I were just talking at what was it last week? Uh, there's going to be a new Batman, right? You know, that, that you know, what something's going to happen to Bruce Wayne, I guess, and there'll be a new Batman coming up. Well, you know that smacks of 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 some of the storylines that we saw back in the '90s, and it you know makes me worried that you know we're probably leading into some kind of new Superman because they seem to do all of that at the same time.
2: Superman's big story is he's about to reveal his identity to the world. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not wild about that. Nope, I T- hate it. Did
3: Tony Stark talk him into it? I'm just saying <laughs>
2: <laughs> that Tony
0: Stark is a bad seed. Yeah, yeah I think the I well, think maybe Doctor
2: Fate can cast a spell.
1: God. <laughs> Uh yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I think we're you know it,
1: it is. It's it's um cyclical, right? It's the same yeah. stories, you know, they just recycle the same stories like over and over. It seems like that cycle keeps shortening. It does.
0: You know, and I'm just like, God, are we doing this already? You know, it's like how many yeah, Doomsday, you know, how many times to- how many times are we gonna have a doomsday story, right? You know, and
1: in the new fifty two, it's like doomsday was everywhere. I just <sighs> ugh. Yeah, yes. and, you know, I know we sound jaded, but we are guys who spend pretty significant money on comics every week, and we've been doing it for a long time. So, you know, we are adult readers, not less so collectors, um, and and we enjoy, truly enjoy comics. Clearly, we have a comic book podcast, um, yeah. but it's one of those things that I, I worry. I worry about the business decisions that are being made that will affect my ability to enjoy the medium that I have loved all my life. Um, You know for an extended period of time
2: Yeah, yeah, it's right now I look at some of these you know books that I enjoy and I think either A new writer is going to come on and do something horrible with them that i'm going to hate and You know push me off the book in that way or they're just going to reboot it and do another event soon I'm tired of number one issues. I'm tired of nothing ever mattering because they're just going to undo it or do a all new, all different right after. Yeah,
1: yeah. and that's what it happened, happens. right? They 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 rebooted too much after the New Fifty Two. Marvel rebooted like every six months with a new number, with a new line of number yeah. ones, and it, it was the law of diminishing returns. People got sick of it. But I think yeah. we are. I think that, quite frankly, I think that's the only thing that's going to save the market is another line wide reboot in a few years, but with less books, cheaper costs, more focused, like maybe twelve comics a month you know from each um distributor you know kind of going back to basics i think that's the only thing you know they can't afford it but uh, i think it, it's it'll certainly help the market less books means people will buy more of them mm-hmm. as long as the quality is good like if you have you know one batman book one superman book one wonder woman book a justice league book you know it it, it kind of like the 60s essentially the 60s and 70s yeah yeah
0: uh you know um uh... Batman universe uh, is the yeah. the the book that uh, DC is releasing in the Walmart stores. And you know there was a there was an article that came out this week stating the next line of those books that's going to be coming out at the Walmart stores. So one of them is going to be World's Finest, but instead of it oh. being Batman Superman, it's going to be Bat Batwoman Supergirl, which I find kind of interesting because I you know there is a big synergy between Batman and Superman. Uh, they are heroes at the top of their games. They are, you know, uh, they're extraordinarily competent. They're iconic. You know, there's a, there's a lot about those guys. That, yeah, but
1: you know why it is? It's because
2: those are the CW TV shows.
1: Is that why it is?
0: I yeah. guess you're right.
2: Yeah, I, guess I was about right. to say, why not Batgirl instead of Batwoman? But you no, just hit right. on it, Paul. Yeah. You're right.
0: Because I was sitting there going, why would you do that? Because, you know, Batwoman and Supergirl are just... So different from each other in tone, and so different from each other in terms of the character journey. But you're absolutely right; it's a CW tie-in. Uh-huh. But there's a whole list of books that that they're going to do as those hundred-page giants at uh, at Walmart. There's you know an Aquaman book, a uh, whole series of them. So you know it's it's interesting to me that that continues to be successful for uh, for DC even though they're they're they just occupying a firm number 2 in the marketplace.
3: You know, while I don't like those characters, Batwoman Supergirl together actually sounds like an interesting dichotomy.
1: Yeah. I like these books. Here's the thing, I like the 96 page books. Um, oh, me I, too. I but I don't like going to Walmart. And yeah. I and I certainly don't like going to if I don't like going to one Walmart I don't like going to three just to find these damn books. You well, know? Here, you.
2: here's the thing. The stories that uh, we've talked about that we've been enjoying on these are the new stories. That's only a small part of the book.
1: Yeah, right. true. Most of the ninety page
2: Yeah, most of the ninety page thing is a reprint of stories and different you yeah. know, different eras and things and it's not one big cohesive thing for the characters. And yeah. the, the
0: sad thing to me is that, you know, they're they're what, eight nine dollar books? Uh, there at Walmart in those you know eighty hundred page giants. And you know back in the day, you could get one of those for a buck. Yeah. And you know part of me really chafes at the fact that <clears throat> you're gonna pay that kind of money for a bunch of reprinted material. And you know the idea is that it's entry level, is that you know anybody can get this and access these characters. But when you think about it, those eighty page giants back in the day were a dollar. Um, and it was about four times what it would cost you to buy a, a, a regular newsstand issue of a comic book because those were were about twenty five cents at the time. So I guess when you look at well, you know, comics are generally two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine if you, you know, if you're buying a Marvel book. Uh, so I guess that eight dollars isn't so so bad, but man, that just seems like a lot of money.
1: It does, but you know what? It's kind of this is old guy. The, the old guy no, podcast, you're right? right? You're absolutely Because, right. you know, I look at an action figure nowadays, and those action figures, like the cheap shit, like the G.I. Joes in our day that were like two, three bucks, you know, are, are now ten bucks. So um, it is essentially the equivalent of an action figure, and I think that's the intent they're going for. Like, buy this instead of a toy, Johnny. Um, and I, I think that's... You know, and it's priced accordingly. But, you know, my dad used to bitch about buying me a stack of comic books, and I'd plow
0: through them, and I'm like, okay, what's next? <laughs> you know, because you know, the, the entertainment ended so fast. And uh, you know, he, he, would, he would gripe by that. I just bought you that stack of books. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, as we said, Batman Universe number three came out this week. And uh, we have really enjoyed uh, the Batman Universe book. Um, and when we were prepping for today's show, we we're like, ah, do we have anything new to say about Batman Universe? And Wayne said, well, you know, he had some words. So, Wayne,
2: talk to me me about your Batman universe experience. I have really enjoyed the the series up till now. This issue, though, the writing, particularly the dialogue, is what I'm referring to, the dialogue just felt really off. This is the first time I've been reading the book, and I thought this felt like an all-ages book and not a regular book. Uh, The dialogue just is flat and childish in areas Uh, i also i've never liked the thanagarian so that might be part of it too but batman's interactions with them just it felt ridiculous it didn't feel natural like the dialogue in the previous books have and same thing with his conversation with hal i enjoyed the batman likes dinosaurs part of the conversation but then for basically no reason Hal's not able to keep his concentration just because a bird flies into his bubble, and Hal just doesn't seem in any kind of character throughout this either. See, I don't uh, know. I, I, you know,
1: but the, it's funny because the things you didn't like about the book are the things I liked about the book. Um, I thought I mean, it was fun. I like the fun tone. I don't need you know one word Batman on every page. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the camaraderie. The honestly it's a little bit silly and that's why i liked it it kind of reminded me of i I hate to keep referencing it because it's not like i was alive in the 60s but like those fun books back then you know it's just like it's freaking batman and they found a way to bounce him to thanagar to gorilla city to dinosaurs and now to the old west all in the context of one book and it's like you don't see that in you're not going to get that in tom king's batman unless it's all in his head
2: that was really the other thing I didn't like about it is he's bouncing here, he's bouncing there, he's bouncing all of these quick it's like a tour of the universe type story. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I, it, I'm i still the- on board for the series. and I've really enjoyed the story. Right. It's just this issue really fell flat for me when the others didn't. And I think a lot of it may have been what was going on on Thanagar because it all seemed pointless. Like it's that the- whole Thanagar thing wasted my time. It's the DC universe through Batman's eyes. And while I
0: absolutely agree with you, Wayne, I, I I think Batman did not sound like himself uh in a lot of key areas in this book. He just sounded like a guy playing like he's Batman. But the the page that made this entire book worthwhile to me is, you know, when uh Batman's all suited up and he and the Fanigarians are, are are all gonna go check some stuff out. And he said, okay, well, you know, here here, here we go. And he's like, wait, wait, wait or, or, I don't fly, Batman says. And the Thanagarian says, well, you have wings. And he's like, it's a cape. And he says, I'm sorry, I assumed it was for a purpose. And Batman says, it glides. And the Thanagarian, and this just killed me. Ah, cute. <laughs> and the next thing you know, Batman's wearing a set of Thanagarian wings, but they're bat wings instead of the feathered wings. And I thought that was a lot of fun. I, I I I just that made the whole book worthwhile to me.
2: Yeah, I just didn't like the conversation leading up to it, where Batman's name dropping. Yeah, well, and it, it, I I did not care for the very casual manner in which Batman removes
0: his cowl. You know that I didn't and, love, but you know because I mean, even though he's on Thanagar, you know, just like Batman appeared on Thanagar, Thanagarians appear on Earth. Uh, you know, and, and what's to stop some than and go, Hey, I'm looking for this Bruce Wayne guy. He looks just like this. He's also, he also goes by the name Batman. How can I find this guy? Batman's smarter than that. And I get, you know, we're kind of, this is, I wouldn't call this an all ages book, even though it kind of is, I would say this is an all audience book because they're trying to bring new readers in. And so they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not having Batman carry his baggage with him. Right. Yeah, Uh, to to your point, Paul. You'd never get this in a Tom King book unless he was having a a, a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I I agree. I mean, I I felt like there were parts of this book that felt really off, but I loved the artwork. I loved certain scenes, like Batman, you know, flying with his bat wings. Uh, I I loved that uh, he and Hal got to play with dinosaurs. I thought that was a lot of fun. uh, so, there was enough here to keep me coming back, but I do ag- agree that uh, I think some of the the dialogue was off,
2: yeah, I think out of the this is issue three, it's the weakest issue so far. Uh, but I'm still on board because I say I really like the book and I like the story. It just this felt like it was wasting time, and the dialogue was more all ages than it had been in the previous two issues. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: I don't think – Paul was the last one on, on the panel to uh, be reading Wonder Woman. And, and, Paul, I don't think you're still reading it, are you?
1: No, I read it um, a while back when they were kind of tying up the loose ends from the Dark Side War. Uh, you know, they had uh, – Grail was in the book for a while, killing gods and, and trying to use the power of the killed gods to, um, like – Bring Dark Side back, like make the baby Dark Side adult again, and uh, she succeeded. Spoiler warning. Uh, so I I, I, I liked it, um, but that that was the last time I read the book. But Tim, you're reading Wonder Woman.
3: I, I, I randomly picked up Wonder Woman. That that is correct. Oh, just
1: um, like this issue. It's not like you've been just, reading like, it. Okay. Just okay. like at issue. a bar. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, I no, wish. No. <laughs> uh, Tell us about that one, Tim. Well, what drew me
3: in—what drew me into this book was the uh, variant cover uh, from Jenny Frison. Um, It's—it's kind of a, a close-up uh, face, uh, kind of caption of Wonder Woman. So I was like, and it was—it's mostly gray shade, like pencil. I'm like, that's really interesting. And then when I flipped through the book, I—I I did enjoy the interior art too, which is a different artist um and so i was like well uh, tom durenick is his name and so you know this is a character I, I i i had fond memories of a couple different runs of and i i said you know what it, since i'm getting back into it as far as comic books i thought i'd give it a try um and uh yeah this is probably the best book i read this week so uh what's going on in wonder woman is that uh Cheetah, which is basically her her Lex Luthor, I I would say, um, got her hands on a sword that is ancient past uh, when the gods were were born. And this is uh, actually part two of uh, uh, what's called Loveless. And part one, from what we gather reading this book, is Cheetah just straight up murdered Aphrodite and uh, what that means is that everybody is, in the world is slowly starting to lose love which is a goofy premise but the the way they play it up is like people don't go to work anymore because they love their families that's the only reason they had their job <laughs> stuff like that and wonder woman is acting depowered because you know behind all of her fighting it's for love of 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 Themyscira, of the, of the, you know, the people that she, you know, she works with, it, it's a, it's a very interesting book, watching her, uh, basically be, uh, you know, loopy on her feet as far as having to deal with it, Cheetah straight up breaks her bracers in, in this, in this book, um, which is a cool scene, and although I can't say that I'm getting all the nuances, there's a couple different characters that I I have no idea who these people are. I I like the fact that (laughs) there's a lot of humor in the book. Um, Basically Wonder Woman is told about three different times that she looks like ass. (laughs) She got got her ass, she got, she got, you know, destroyed. And, uh, you know, there's another, uh, Uh, mad scientist kind of character that looks like she's trying to help wonder woman because of past favors is it's just it's an interesting concept that the world is starting to kind of kind of go AWOL because nobody cares there's a there's a scene where somebody like falls off a, a, a bike and falls into the street and everybody's like yeah someone should do something about that (laughs) <laughs> but, but nobody has any compassion because Aphrodite got ganked. So pretty pretty fun premise. Uh good art. I think I wanna actually go back and get part one just to get the full picture. Um And while I don't while I, I don't get the the thing that I loved about the uh about my favorite run of Wonder Woman, which is the uh, the new the newness of her not remembering who she is. I actually like this one a lot too because of the fact that there's things that are taken away, and she seems to be at her lowest when her uh, her main supervillain uh, antagonist is at her highest. So that is a cool uh, point to jump in. So I I enjoyed Wonder Woman
1: seventy eight. Cool. I, I, you know, I probably need to. I, I do like Wonder Woman whenever I pick it up. Yeah, I just you know typically wait for a story that intrigues me. I don't I don't necessarily read it on a regular basis. It depends on the the context of the story or or a recommendation from someone such as Tim. So maybe I'll check it out uh, next time it's on sale or something.
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. You know, the, the last time I checked in with Wonder Woman it was when Greg Rucka was writing and As much as I enjoyed Greg Rucka, I did not care for the two different. Timelines. Yeah, that the I didn't love that story. In. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a while since I've checked in, but uh, I'll have to check that out.
3: Yeah, this is written by G Willow Wilson. And
0: I am not familiar with G Willow.
3: Uh, she the what what I what I looked her up. She wrote some of the Ms Marvel, huh? Uh, series, which I I know I never read, but All it right. seems like she's got a good handle on the voice of Wonder Woman. So, I, if you are going to pick it up, I would. Uh, recommend starting with Wonder Woman seventy seven, which is the one before this, just mm-hmm. so that you get the full, full picture.
0: Well, thank you, Tim. You're welcome. <laughs> so we have been, Paul and I have been reading. Uh, now, Paul, it's powers of ten,
1: right? It's not powers of X. Yeah, uh, sorry, I keep saying powers, powers of, of X, but yeah, it's F- powers of ten.
0: So we have been reading powers of ten, and mostly loving powers of ten. Mostly. And Tim is yeah, mostly. Uh, Well, and House of Ten, because, you know, it's really it's really one book in two parts. But uh, I am really curious to know what Tim thinks of Powers of Ten number four, which came out this week. Tim, talk to us about Powers of Ten.
3: So um, one of the one of the the distracting factors of picking up this this Hickman run of X-Men is that it's coming out basically every week. And it seems like you have to get both books. And I said, you know what? I don't think that's true. I think I can, <laughs> probably, I think I can probably pick up an issue and enjoy it. And the cover on this one was an interesting cover. Because it's got the Professor X that we think is the, the Reed Richards bad guy from the uh, Ultimate Universe. Uh, at least that's, that's the way we're going with it. Um, there's some things I liked about it, but I, th- I think the, the main takeaway for me is although I, I can tell that Tracy Hickman is a is a good writer I or Jonathan Hickman sorry <laughs>
1: Tracy Hickman Tracy Hickman that would, <laughs> now that would be awesome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> although Jonathan Hickman is a, is, a, is a good writer, I don't think he's my flavor. I think he I think he's too not too cool for school school but like a little too cute when it comes to the I'm the smartest person in the room kind of writing. And, you know, I, I think with a, with, a, with a book like Fantastic Four where you need that kind of writing, I think, I think that's where he hits his high points. But, like, there's, like, pages that aren't really pages that are, like, technical manual pages and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, – and maybe it's because I didn't start from issue one. I, I, maybe that's my problem. But the, there are, there are things to enjoy about this book. But it just feels so scattered to me. And I think that's what I come away with. I come away with, I think this is a good book. I just don't think it's the book for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll also say, Tim, like me, you were enjoying at least something of X-Men before. Because I know you liked, uh, was a Mr. and Mrs. X? The yes. Gambit and Rogue book that is now gone because of this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, so let me say,
1: first of all, when you said Tracy Hickman, I thought you meant Tracy Chapman. And that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'd read that book, Tracy Chapman on X Men. Um, so I, I will say one thing. Yeah, you need to start from the beginning. Like, unfortunately, this there's no. This is not like new reader friendly every issue. I, I, I enjoy House of Ten a lot more than Powers of Ten as a book. However, and I think part of it is that House of Ten is more focused on the X-Men characters that I love and and the superhero action, whereas if Powers of Ten is is kind of like more science fiction, jumping back and forth in time, that kind of thing. I enjoy House of Ten, or Powers of Ten. Um, I enjoyed this issue, except for the same issue, or the same problem, I should say, the same problem I've had with all the other issues, which is that X-Men Year 1000 shit. I'm I like I just it becomes a head scratcher for me and I'm sure maybe like I mean I'm reading it sober I'm reading it fully cognizant yeah. and aware and awake and the, it still flies over my head and I it's like the phalanx and and you know the the, the dialogue I'm like I don't know what's going on in these scenes and I, I struggle with them I loved the Mister Sinister stuff in this book I thought it was a lot of fun I thought the dialogue was funny uh, funnier than I'm used to from Jonathan Hickman. Uh, he he usually doesn't do humor that much, but I, I enjoyed this book until I got to that you know that page of of X Men Year One Thousand.
0: You know I I gotta tell you the the Mister Sinister stuff tickled me to no end. I it was uh, such a uh, a a welcome uh, change from usually the very very you know, serious, uh, minded writing of Jonathan Hickman. I just, I got I got a huge kick out of Mr. Sinister stuff. Um, I also, Doug Ramsey is, is in this book quite a bit and I've always loved Doug. I've always loved Cypher, you know, Doug Ramsey. And, uh, but there is a panel in which he gives professor X a really dark look out of the side of his eye and that's it. Everything else is is regular Doug Ramsey, but it's that really sidelined looking thing. I'm like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? And then you know he's, he he techno a little bit of Krakoa. I, I'm just uh, you know I, Doug Ramsey's up to some shit there, and I didn't know what that's all about. Uh, but I, I I super enjoyed this book. I also you know uh, along the lines of Doug Ramsey, Jonathan Hickman's smart enough to write this to be able to write you know the the challenge of cracking the Krakoan language Mm -hmm. and being able to explain to Charles Xavier, Oh, you've been getting this wrong and here's how you've been getting this wrong. And that's the thing I really like about, you know, the big ideas that Jonathan Hickman writes. It's not just, Hey, wouldn't this be cool if that was a problem and Doug Ramsey solves it. It's good science fiction writing on how he solves it. And I, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed that about this book. Um, I, I share some of your frustration about the very far future yeah. X-Men stories that he's telling here. But I will say this was the first time that I felt like, oh, I think I'm understanding what he's doing with the phalanx. And, uh, you know, that that it it feels like that's about to come together. Uh, you know, each one of the, each one of these books has ended really with an oh shit sort of moment and i will say this is the first one that th- that there wasn't a big
1: oh shit moment yeah like i turned the page i'm like oh it's over yeah yeah like you flip over your, your ipad it, to see if there's another page it's hard to
3: tell it was over though because they're all black white tactical manual <laughs> read this uh, this is like Japanese I don't know what's going no, on gotta,
0: you gotta you have to learn your Krakoan language and if you had bought one of the earlier books you would have the uh, the cipher there for you yeah so yeah I need you to do your homework Tim and have learned the Krakoan language for our next podcast
3: you know the best part of this book was the uh ad for X-Men 1 <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get it in the digital edition uh right. X-Men 1 has this picture and it took me a while to figure it out but it's 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 basically every summer's character <laughs> so it's like cyclops gene gray cable coarse and wolverine because wolverine and havoc <laughs> like like x-men one seems like the summer's family and the crazy uncle
1: well they did like, something in this book about that so if you I read the mr sinister like pages like the sinister and I'm, I'm flipping back to it um you know on the sinister secrets And it says something about um, something about what if there were more? Oh, here it is. Two brothers jumped out of a plane and for the longest time until he was discovered, many wondered if there was a third. If we told you there were more, would you believe me? Probably not. I've got to imagine that's referring to, you know, because we already know there's three Summers brothers. Um, You know, there was that that random one that, that happened in that crossover a number of years back. So I've, they've got to be setting up for more Summers kids. I'm
3: sure that what what they meant by that is Smothers Brothers. That's uh, exactly clearly. what I was thinking, right. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I told you there was a third Smothers Brother. I'm like, I'm into this guy. Yeah,
0: mind blown. Yep.
1: <laughs> but but Tracy
3: Chapman comp- is the smartest person. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, I will say, you know, I'm enjoying 80, I would say Ninety percent of this house of ten powers of ten. It's it's wow. when the stuff gets. And I've always said this about Hickman, and I know I repeat myself a lot when it comes to it. Sometimes Hickman is the smartest guy in the room, and he loses me. Yeah. Um, he, oh
3: yeah, that's exactly what happened here.
1: Yeah, and, and so he loses. Well, I did me jump those.
3: in. I did jump in the middle, so I get it. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to just boot out until X Men One, and I'm going to give that a try, which is not that far off. No, no,
0: it's right around the corner.
3: Well, Paul, you said that
0: you had 80% enjoyment of uh, Powers of Ten. Well, I can tell you right now, I am 100% enjoying Mark Waid's Invisible Woman.
1: I mean, it's a math podcast all of a sudden.
0: (laughs) It is a hidden gem. Uh, out there on the comic shelves, I never would have thought I would enjoy this book as much as I am. Wayne, I know you're 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 into this with me as well. Tell me about Invisible
2: Woman number three. Yeah, I just want to start comment on the art first. The art on this book is absolutely incredible. Uh huh. Um, well, with that Adam Hughes cover,
0: that Adam Hughes cover is uh, is uh, just gorgeous. With uh, with Sue at the uh, at the um, cocktail party. It's just, it's a gorgeous cover.
3: That cover yeah. in and of itself was almost, I almost <laughs> picked that book up. I'm like, wait a minute. This is invisible one. What uh-huh. am I doing with my life?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> like, Oh, uh-huh.
3: I could just, it,
0: it, the series is so, so
2: good. Tim. Yeah.
3: It's,
0: <laughs> it's, it's invisible woman, super spy, and it is so fucking good. Yeah.
2: The art really brings it kind of down to earth and not like this art. I don't know. would work on a big over the top superhero book. But it works so perfectly for this tone of kind of a down-to-earth super spy. Uh, This issue, she starts to learn more and more secrets of her former partner. And how all the twists and turns that you would expect out of a spy movie kind of come about. I love her use of powers throughout the book. Yeah, very creative use of her power set. Yeah, I mean, one one of the new things that we've never seen before is... Her daughter Val, you know, pointed out to her that color is a use of light and how much light is able to be seen. So with that, she realizes that she can use her invisibility powers to change the color of her hair or. And her skin change, tone. Yeah, yeah. Change thing into pink, which he really hates. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, she it's like, that is such a creative use that makes perfect sense when they say it. And I like that it's not something she can easily do, that it gives her a headache because of all right. of the details she has to put into it.
0: Well, and, you know, in the previous issue, you know, they're chasing a bad guy. She and the Black Widow are chasing a bad guy. And, you know, he, he disappears into a tenement building. And so they're like, crap, we're going to lose him in the tenement building. And Sue is like, oh, really? And she just makes the walls invisible so that they can find the guy. You know, and in this issue, this woman's reaching into a, a a drawer, and Sue turns the drawer invisible so she can see the gun that's coming up. Uh, I just I, I love how smart this is being written and how badass it makes Sue Richards. This book is just fantastic. Yeah. And to your to your earlier point, Wayne. Uh, The artwork in this book is fantastic. It's by uh, Mattia de Iolis. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that last name. But uh, what I find so uh, amazing about the artwork is, you know, the the, the story is very female forward. You know, there's a lot of women uh, in the lead in this book, and not a single one of them is drawn gratuitously. Um, There is a scene uh, capturing... Uh, Sue's backside, and it is not drawn for you know. You know, hey, check out the superhero ass. You know, it, it's just, there is nuance to you know her her Fantastic Four uniform, and it's just a normal person's backside. But you know, she's wearing her cocktail dress, and it's an off the shoulder sort of thing. And when she gets into the fight, you can see the muscles popping in the in in her shoulders. You know, uh, from from the back. I am dying to see what the pencils look like because I'm trying to figure out how much of this is done by the colorist and how much of this is done by by the penciler because this artwork is just freaking amazing. Um, There's all kinds of of character work that's done here, light and dark. Uh, I, I just I am I am captivated by how specific the characters are represented. Um, It's almost, you know, when you look at some of the, some of the Greg land artwork and you can just really tell that he's using model references, this almost looks like model referenced, except that the, the characters are so natural, you know, they don't look posed. I am just fascinated by the artwork. in this.
2: Yeah. I was thinking that for the female characters, the male characters, maybe not so much, but Uh the level of detail on all of the female characters. Yeah. And also the, uh, the way the invisibility powers look, mm-hmm. they think they're doing a great job with it. And I like that they, like you hit on it. They're making her intelligent and they're mm-hmm. making her, she's always been one of the most powerful characters. And I like how they're playing things off. Well, like, since you know, John
0: Byrne, she's always been one of the most powerful
2: characters. Okay. That's true. The yeah, original yeah. since so she's been called invisible woman instead of invisible. Right. Girl, we'll right. put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but I like things like, uh, you know, in a lot of books, the character with the force field would be caught off guard and knocked out before they have a field force field up, and that doesn't happen with her. In here, she, you know, she even makes the comment of, "Of course, I'm going to have a a force field up at all times when I'm on the job." Right. I mean, she's just showing both intelligence and power, and they're finding ways to impact her powers that make sense. You know, she's not. She's being affected and hurt as well even though she has her force fields and it makes logical sense. it's not because she's doing something stupid yeah the writing is Mark Wade is really hitting it out of the park with the writing and the art is just I mean this has been my book of the week every week it comes out yeah it's terrific I, I strongly strongly
0: recommend this book and uh, you know the, the problem with this book is that it feels like a book only Mark Wade could write. And so I'm glad that it's a limited series that, you know, some other writer isn't going to come in and try and take this on because this seems like something that, that Mark Wade has really powerfully considered and looked at from all angles because it feels that deep. It feels that developed.
2: Yeah. And it feels like it fits into the Marvel universe. Absolutely. It makes sense that she would have done what she's done in the past. Mm -hmm. and that Nick Fury would immediately, oh, a woman that can turn invisible. I need her to do spy things. Yeah, that's
1: a great book. Big thumbs up. Well, also this week, and new this week, was King Thor number one, Uh, Jason Aaron, Esad Ribic. Uh, I'm very excited about that creative team. Now, this feels like the third book that's come out in the last year that says the conclusion of the Thor story seven years (laughs) in the making. Like, I thought that was War of the Realms, and then I thought it was the War of the Realms aftermath or epilogue, but apparently it's King Thor. <laughs> um so yeah, King Thor is out right now and it's it focuses on the far future Thor and his daughters. Um and you know they, they bring in Loki and the God Butcher and it, it really does tie quite a bit with that initial storyline that we that Jason Aaron started. On Thor, um, I think that it was called the God Butcher or the God Bomb, or maybe the God Butcher was the it first was, and then God Bomb. It was came God out. Butcher
0: and God Bomb. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so this really goes all the way back to that and those characters and and the things that the the, the different Thors introduced there. Um, so Aaron and I both picked this up, and Aaron, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this book.
0: You know, uh, I, I I really like Jason Aaron, and I love Assad Rubik, Um and I love. King Thor and I love his granddaughters. I am less interested in a King Th- King Thor and his granddaughters at the end of time story. I want to see a story where it's King Thor before everything falls to shit. You know, I really want to see a King Thor, you know, it's still obviously going to be a far future book, but where stuff is still happening as opposed to, you know, he's had to create a new Midgard, he's, you know, every all the other gods are dead. I just—I really want to see a different epic because, you know, we we see that Thor has lived longer than any other god in the universe, right? You know, that it, it, it says that in the course of the story. He has ruled as King Thor for a great big long time. I would like to see other portions of time. And have we ever seen Thor's son, the father of these granddaughters? Have we ever seen that story?
1: No, I don't believe—well— I haven't been collect reading Thor regularly, right. so but as far as I've read now,
0: yeah, I don't think we've seen that. Um, so uh, that yeah, I get this is this is a different story that's being told, but I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I would really like to see those stories, right? Because I love the look of King Thor, I love the sound of King Thor, I love that he's walking around with the fucking Destroyer's arm. You know, <laughs> I mean, just there's something just really enjoyable about that. Uh, I, I don't like, we spend this entire first issue with King Thor getting his ass kicked by Loki and I, it always bothers me when Loki beats Thor in a straight up fight. Yeah. You know, Loki is the kind of guy who should be be stabbing you in the back and, you know, lurking in the shadows and manipulating other people. But also the point of this book is that Loki has suffered through all of this time and has grown his power. So I get that as well. I just don't enjoy that kind of story because we've seen that before where, you know, other writers have had Loki whoop Thor in a straight up fight. It's just not something that I particularly care for. Um, There are some things I didn't understand in the book. Like, for instance – Loki and Thor fight on a planet that, uh, you know, essentially Thor explodes on Loki. And then the two of them go go falling into a sun. And then Loki destroys that sun and then throws Thor onto New Midgard. And what the book doesn't explain is that uh, he would have had to have thrown him into a different star system. Because New Midgard would be dead because the, the the sun has been consumed, right? Oh yeah, fair point. And, but they don't do that. It's just like next panel, he's on New Midgard, and I'm like, I need I need you guys to actually explain that shit because all those guys, you know, Thor's fighting for the life of New Midgard, and I'm like, if they're in the same star system, New Midgard's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Lightway, the, the light's going to catch up, and they're dead.
1: You know, yeah, I think for for what it's worth, all the nuance that I normally like in the Jason Aaron Thor stories is uh-huh. more told with his granddaughters. Uh huh. But the Thor and Loki scenes in this are, are pretty much just straight up fight, right? right? I mean, there's a lot of talking, but it's just Loki talking shit. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no like, you know, there's no, there's no. Character development, and I know you know maybe we're, we're beyond that, and this is just the culmination. But I don't know, I didn't love this book. I wanted to love this yeah. book, I really didn't. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm excited about the god butcher popping up at the end, gore, uh, but less so,
0: less so over here, <laughs> really. Uh, but what yeah, I'll do is I I'll not pick it up on sale. The, I did not care for the god butcher in the original story. Ah. But, you know, if you look at the preview, so we had all this issue is just, you know, fighting between Thor and Loki. And it looks like Thor's dead at one point because, you know, Loki disembowels him. But, you know, Thor stuffs his guts back in and he's okay. So at the end of the book, you know, uh, Gore, the God Butcher, shows up and then we get the preview page for next issue. And it's Thor and Loki fighting some more. Yeah. I, I'm just like, OK, I'm not really interested in that. The The stories that I'm interested in, they don't seem to be interested in telling to me. Yeah. And I think that this is fine for an end piece. But I think, you know, Jason Aaron has been doing his victory lap on Thor for a while now.
1: Pretty much and since the Jane Foster Thor.
0: Yeah. And I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah. You know, it. it I, I just can we just tell Thor stories? (laughs) You know, and if you're going to have a King Thor, can we tell some King Thor stories that aren't King Thor being sad and depressed because that's all that we seem to get? Yeah. Um, You know, I want to know, you know, if there are granddaughters, let's meet the son. That's my I'm like, who is who is that guy? Who's Thor's son? And who who did thor have the relationship with that gave him a son or maybe I mean, we'll I think see those, that
1: in here i don't know or, may, or maybe it's already been
2: established and i still don't know you know i just haven't yeah. read it do you do we know if the granddaughters are is it thor's son or could it be thor's daughter no they're granddaughters right they're granddaughters but Oh, good
0: parent. I, yeah, you're right. I assume son, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It could be a daughter. True. But their
1: last name's Thor. So, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the patriarchy at work. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, lo- we didn't love King Thor, but another uh, Thor related book came out this week. Uh, Loki, number three, came out this week. And Tim. I mean, Tim. Look, you—you you, you picked up Powers of Ten. You picked up Wonder Woman. You picked up Loki. You just tried all sorts of new shit this week. I, I went yeah. out there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, you know that, that's—you know—he's—he's he's at some of those alternative bars as well. I mean, he's just trying everything new. <laughs> and started vaping.
1: Oh no, no! Don't do that. No.
3: Although I'll <laughs> tell you what—that's why I didn't like Loki three. Loki, Loki vapes. three reads like. Maybe you know it might just be maybe getting too old for this shit. But like Loki three reads like a twenty run year old douchebag Loki. <laughs> like Loki's always a, a turd, right? I, I get it. That's kind of why you buy the book. But like I'm just getting this like I don't know hipster doofus vape vibe off of him. He doesn't seem as scheming and cool. The best parts of this book, honestly, were th- was the part because the storyline is Loki. Loki, after the War of the Realms, is is basically given control of uh, Jotunheim, and he gets tired of that. So what he does is he he makes a snowman and en, 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 enchants it and puts it in his place as a proxy. The best parts of this book are the snowman uh, ruling over uh, like petty squabbles of of the of the frost giants. It that. And that's only like three pages of the book But it was the best three pages of the book huh. Because it's Snow Nan's name Frosty with two umlauts over the O I'm like this is amazing <laughs> I want this book <laughs> But Loki is busy Because he's bored He doesn't want to be king That seems lame I want to, He wants to be a hero And it just comes off Not scheming but whiny And douchey <laughs> And I just it's gonna go down that path for me, and I'm like, okay, I love Kid Loki. I like I like Loki, who's who's, you know, Thor in, in a lot of respects. Thor's like flip side of the coin, but this is neither. And I just I, I just think it's the way it's written is is not for me. So, you know, give me a Frosty of Jotunheim book, but this book Loki, I I can't I can't recommend.
0: I think of all the different iterations of Loki. Kid Loki by Kieran Gillen is my favorite Loki. I mean, I, I, I hated when that when that character came to an end.
3: You know, I thought GMS wrote a pretty good Loki too. But you're right, Aaron. The the kid Loki was what I loved, and the yeah. way they the way they retconned it so that it didn't seem like it was a redemption story pissed me off. Right, not as well, much as some yeah. of the other things. in Thor has pissed me off. Yeah,
0: my my but, second favorite iteration of Loki is decapitated Loki uh, attached to Thor's belt and Thor disassembled. That's my second favorite Loki. <laughs> <laughs> I might
3: I might have to go with, I might with have to go with hot female Loki that stole Jane Foster's body.
0: But, oh yeah, that was I liked her too. That's third yeah. favorite Loki. Third favorite Loki. But, favorite
3: Loki. <laughs> but uh, head Loki, pretty funny too.
0: Head Loki, I love head
1: Loki.
3: Uh, so I'm very sad to hear that you guys did, had mixed feelings about King Thor because that's probably where I was going to stop next. But I wouldn't uh,
1: do it. I wouldn't yeah, do it. I wouldn't do it. Yeah.
3: Well, I can't recommend you guys stopping on Loki either. Unfortunately. Well, I
0: think Wayne is going to uh, encourage us to some absolute carnage. That's what I think is going to happen. That is my prediction here on the big show.
2: So. I read a lot of Absolute Carnage books this week. Uh, issue 1 and 2 of the regular series, Maximum Carnage. Or, no, Separation Anxiety, not Maximum. Uh, quite a few of them. And the one that came out this week was Absolute Carnage, Symbiotes of Vengeance. Uh, when I read the preview of it, it mentioned Danny Ketch. So I was immediately going to buy it. And first of all, Danny Ketch is in the book. I really enjoy the Danny Ketch Ghostwriter, and that is my positive about this. Uh, even though he kind of he seems really weak in this version, he's kind of been is. that way for a while. Though I think uh, you know, I think his his current incarnation is kind of bitchy, Danny Ketch. <laughs> yeah, it's still Danny Ketch, and it's still that look that I like for Ghost Rider. I like his bike and his appearance best out of all the Ghost Riders. I do not care for this Alejandro one that was in. That was there that uh, he gets sent to help protect. Mm-hmm. Did not like the look or appearance of that one at all. Uh, what I was excited about the book like I said is Danny Catch, but overall was it a was it a good story? No, Danny Catch was kind of like I said he wasn't nearly as powerful as I want him to be. I didn't like Alejandro. I. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot that I did not care for in the book overall the biggest part being he's asked not to follow Carnage and he doesn't, he lets Carnage go I don't see a spirit of vengeance, particularly the spirit of vengeance that was the Danny Ketch spirit of vengeance that I used to read and love so much would not let Carnage go he would go after him and follow him and hunt him because Carnage is a character that needs vengeance I actually thought we were going to
1: disagree on this book, but we actually agree. Um so I am enjoying Absolute Carnage the the main title quite a bit and I think Tim is too. Uh and, and hey, guess what? It's issue 3 is next week. Um so looking forward to that, but I you know, I picked up Symbiote Vengeance because I like Ghost Rider, I like Danny Ketch, I even like Johnny I like Johnny Blaze. I wasn't familiar with this um the this other Ghost Rider that that Wayne mentioned in the book. Uh, she is Alejandra Jones, and she was introduced in the 2011 Ghostwriter Rider series. Uh, and I don't remember who wrote that. It's you know, it's been eight years. Uh, but she, you know, she's a South American ghost And so uh, Johnny Blaze is in Hell. He's the king of Hell right now. He's taken over Mr. old role, but he's new to the role. So he doesn't really know. Like he even says it in the book. Like I, I, I would love to come help, but. I have to figure out how the hell Mephisto kept kept getting out of here because I don't know how.
2: Yeah, I actually really, <laughs> really loved, I love that part of the story. Throughout the story, people keep calling him on things. You're in charge of hell. You can do this. And he's like, I don't know how. He's like, I don't know how yet. He's like, all I can do is astral projection. I can,
1: he's like, I can't bring you back to life, but I can make you, you can possess somebody. So he's, you know, he's still figuring out the ropes of being king of hell. Um, and what's so funny is he's left
0: in my manual <laughs> no, yeah. not maybe no. he needs like a YouTube tutorial
1: <laughs> he, he must he, yeah he should check that out um, <laughs> but what's funny is while he's in hell he's got the little like fire crown like he's Hellboy huh. <laughs> the little Mignola uh, head huh. crown uh, but anyway so this story takes place before the events of Absolute Carnage number one uh, but it's been established in Absolute Carnage that Carnage is going around collecting you know anyone who's ever been possessed by a symbiote still has a little bit of like a a, a codex left in them uh, and so and that codex will help carnage connect to the the symbiote god Koon I think is the the character's name and so this is you know the the Alejandra Jones carnage is trying to get at her codex uh, and spoiler warnings, he succeeds and the book is essentially pointless because we know he had a bunch of codexes at the beginning. Uh, you know, Danny Crutch tries to save her. He doesn't. Carnage escapes and, you know, the carnage lives to kill another day because this all takes place before absolute carnage number one. So the book, you know, reading it, I'm like, this is very much, this feels very much like in late nineties, early two thousands book, uh, both in writing and art. Uh, for better or worse like you know there are aspects of it that i enjoyed but ultimately i finished the book i'm like so that was pointless (laughs) you know and i know it was a tie-in and most tie-ins are pointless
2: but you know sometimes you get a a decent story in there and this one just wasn't it what got me excited though besides just seeing danny catch was the you get to the last page after the the story which I did think it was cool. They, uh, they show a lot of the previous Ghost Riders, including the one I've always wanted to read more about, the Old West one that rides a flaming horse. Oh, yeah. But the very next page is uh, The Road to Ghost Rider number 1. Don't miss these upcoming Danny Ketch and Johnny Blaze guest appearances. I think I'm interested in a Ghost Rider number 1 if it's following this, you know, Johnny Blaze in hell having no idea how to do his job and danny catch on earth doing the ghostwriter thing
1: yeah i think it's happening right now in the avengers book is you know they they have a ghostwriter centric yeah, storyline that's 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 correct
0: i've read a little bit of
1: that
2: so yeah, yeah I think so it, that's what that's what really got me excited was seeing that
1: yeah so uh you know i mean it was a one shot so it's not like i can yeah. say i'm not gonna buy the next issue
2: <laughs> but uh i didn't love this issue yeah paul so my favorite of the tie-ins because i've re- i've been reading a bunch of the tie-ins uh absolute carnage versus deadpool has been really good with deadpool being the unicorn that carnage is going after in that he's bonded with like five different symbiotes at the same time oh yeah that's right
1: so how is uh how is separation anxiety that one that one intrigued me but i ha- i hated it oh okay so it intrigues it me was... less now
2: yeah it was not good the the last place we had seen those symbiotes was apparently four of them bonded to a dog oh and this dog taking over a family and each one of them becoming the the symbiotes huh it just it was not as far as the tie-ins go it was not well done yeah that's gonna be a pass from me dog
1: (laughs) (laughs) hey paul yes sir what's coming out next week well, like I mentioned earlier in the show, next week is a pretty big week again. I had already mentioned uh, Absolute Carnage issue three comes out. Uh, I think Wayne, Tim, and I are reading that one. Um, from also from Marvel Comics, Spider-Man number one of five. And if you're wondering what that book is, that is the J.J. Abrams. Well, J.J. Abrams and his son uh, wrote are, are writing this uh, upco- the Spider-Man miniseries uh, with art by Sarah Pacelli. And it was pretty big news when they announced it. I will very very likely give the first issue a shot. From DC Comics, we have Superman number fifteen, which is uh, you know the uh, more on the Legion of Superheroes and they're uh, kind of convincing Jonathan Kent to to come to the future. Uh, Lex Luthor, Year of the Villain. It, it, it's kind of a, a one shot, you know, some of these one shots that they have about the heir of the villain, this one focused on Lex Luthor justice league, number 32 continuing the justice do more. Uh, if you've been reading that storyline at the end of the last issue, uh, half of the justice league is with Kamandi, and the other half of the justice league is with the justice society. And so it's a, I'm 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 really enjoying the storyline. It's a it, really strong story. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying it as well uh, with great art. And I'm looking forward to to continuing it. Uh, jimmy olsen number three from matt fraction and steve lieber i i I haven't read issue two yet Uh, issue two is so good is it good it's so good um also the redemption of wally west starts in flash forward number one no
2: no 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 (laughs) no (laughs) no well
1: even if i was interested in it it's written by scott labdell yeah, no. With pencils by Brett Booth. So, yeah, I think I'm still out on that one. Yeah, you, you take your flash forward and you can, you know, Uh-oh. flash <laughs> it upward. That's what I'm saying. Um, for, uh, also from DC Comics uh, Halloween Comic Fest. Certain comic shops are participating in this Halloween Comic Fest where they hand out free comics, kind of like Free Comic Book Day. Uh, well, DC is releasing Deceased number one for free. As part of Halloween Comic Fest. So if you haven't picked it up really? yet, you can get it for free as part of Halloween Comic Fest. That is a great book. Right? That's a great recently published book. Yeah, for free. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. And uh, a couple more things that I forgot to mention uh, House of Ten, number five, comes out next week. Once in Future, issue two from Kieran Gillen and Dan Laura, oh. comes out and next issue week. Issue well. one was so damn good issue one was so damn good and there's a book that i i have an interest in and it's not a five dollar issue one it's black panther and the agents of wakanda Uh uh-huh and it's black panther wasp kazar gorilla man and uh yeah uh i think uh okoye um you know his uh his bodyguard character Yeah. yeah yeah and kind of kind of interested. It's written No, by... I saw some preview art from that. It looked really good. Yeah, so I think I might check that one out cuz it's Gorilla Man. Jim Robb. Writing... Okay. Who who is Jim... he, he does good humor. He does. He does. I, I I'll pick that up with you, Paul. Sweet. All right. So like I said, big ass week. Yeah,
0: big ass week. Well, come on back for another exciting episode of Funny Books with Aaron, Polly Tim and Wayne. Uh, You know, we would love to hear your opinions on this week's books, next week's books, the books that we're not reading. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise.
1: You can also check us out on social media, IOMGeek on Instagram and Facebook and at Ideology Madness on Twitter.
0: And Paul would love for you to check out the YouTube channel where you can see all Paul all the time. Do it. YouTube.com slash of Ideology stage.
1: of Madness. <laughs> yeah, it's Ideology. No, it's I am. Just do a search for IOM Geek on uh, <laughs> on, on the YouTube. It's, it's there.
0: <laughs> all Paul all the time.
1: It's all me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Catch you later. Bye, everybody.